This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. tale as old as time and one of katie's favorite movies it's beauty and the beast and this film is lit hello and welcome back to this film is lit the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books katie very shortly we'll be entering into our final installments of the hunger games mm-hmm. summer series before we do that, we have one more intervening episode, which is your birthday episode. Yes. Although this drops a little bit before your yeah, birthday. Yeah, it's, it's like two-ish <laughs> weeks before my birthday, but... For scheduling purposes. Yeah, for scheduling purposes, because I didn't want to have a full episode in between parts one and two yeah. of Mockingjay. No. So... So, yes, we're doing so a... We're doing this a little early. Doing the birthday episode a little bit early, but uh, that's all good. People can listen to it on your birthday or listen to it when it comes out it doesn't really matter we have kind of have all of our normal segments so we're going to get right into it with our first segment let me sum up let me explain no there is too much let me sum up okay so i just did a movie summary okay um the the fairy tale i think well beaumont's version is short enough that people could just go read it yeah um, you linked copies. Yes, I did link on copies. Our, if you want to quickly go read, uh, you linked copies on all the, the social media posts for the prequel episode. Yes. So if you go to Facebook or Twitter, uh, you can find uh, the prequel episode uh, post. And then in the comments of that, there's links to the right, story. Right, to the story. Uh, it's also like Beaumont's version is pretty bare bones and those bones are like close enough to what we get in the Disney version that I just decided to do a movie summary. So if you have not seen Disney's 1991 animated classic beauty and the beast in a hot minute, first of all, you should go watch it. But also here's a summary. Belle lives in a small village where the town folk regard her with suspicion because she likes to read despite the fact that she's also very beautiful. One day, her father, an inventor, gets lost in the woods while traveling and stumbles across an enchanted castle. It turns out that the castle is inhabited by a ferocious beast whom he has inadvertently offended. Belle finds the castle and volunteers to take her father's place as the beast's prisoner. Although they are initially at odds, Belle and the beast gradually become friends and the beast learns to be a better person. After learning that her father is lost and sick, Beast lets Belle go so that she can care for him. While back in the village, Gaston, a man earlier rejected by Belle, riles up the townsfolk and they form a mob to go kill the Beast. After a fight, Gaston manages to stab the Beast before plummeting off the castle. 
As the beast is dying, Belle confesses that she loves him. This breaks the spell, and the beast transforms into a handsome prince, his true form. He and Belle live happily ever after. There you go. In case it's been a while since you've seen The Tale as Old as Time. Uh, now you have a little bit of a refresher. Well, hopefully you just went and watched it. Most people these days have Disney Plus yeah. because uh, for all of the Marvel shows, if for no other reason. But that was a nice little summary. I said we have all of our segments. That's not entirely true. We are going to do Guess Who. We don't have an actual Guess Who segment, but we wanted to talk about something very briefly in the Guess Who segment. So let's do that right now. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. So this was my note that if if we don't have a guess who segment, which I thought we may not. Yeah, there wouldn't have really been yeah. a way to do one for this. That's kind of what I figured, kind of what I assumed. But I did want to know, in lieu of that, if the description of the beast in the book it matches up, if there is a, a description mm -hmm. in the story, and if that matches up at all to what we get in the film. Basically, was what I wanted to know. So... Beaumont's version of the story, which is the shorter one, doesn't describe the beast in any kind of interesting detail. She basically just calls him ugly, deformed, horrifying, a sub in any generic insult for appearance. Okay. Villeneuve. So we don't actually know in that instance. Right. We don't actually know in that instance. A beast or just an ugly. I man. mean, they, they say he's a beast. Right. But that but, you can use that word right, to describe. He could just that be could a be. very beastly looking man. Right. Yeah. Technically. Um, Villeneuve's version, which is the version that Beaumont's comes from. Okay, so Beaumont, Bo that, Bo I was going to ask that. Beaumont's is the later version? Yes, it's okay. the pared-down version okay. of Villeneuve's. So Villeneuve states in her version, he, Belle's father, was terribly alarmed upon perceiving at his side a horrible beast, which, with an air of fury, laid upon his neck a kind of trunk resembling an elephant's, and said with a terrific voice, who gave thee permission to gather my roses? Interesting. So what we know about the beast in Villeneuve's version is that he has a trunk like an elephant's. There's also an illustration in the book that I looked at, yeah. which, again, was linked, and it's it's on Google Books. Do you know um, where the what the where the illustration comes from? Like, is it from the... Is it... Um, you know, contemporary to the story, or is it a later edition? I don't think it's contemporary to the story, okay. but the book that's on Google Books, I think, is also fairly old. Um, so I'm going to show you that illustration right now. So yeah, that just looks like, this is like the elephant man. Yeah, he looks like an elephant man. Yeah. If you are interested in seeing this picture, I'm going to post this on our social media so you can check out our Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. Yeah. If you want to see that. Um, that's interesting because, yeah, it definitely it's just a, a man that that illustration is just a, a person who has an elephant head, essentially. Yes, like, yeah, that's what we can see in that, which is also interesting to me because the beast, at least as far as I've seen, is far more commonly depicted as like a boar. Or a warthog. As some sort of like mammal, mammalian. Well, I get elephants a mammal, yeah. but yeah. But yeah, as like as he like has a like a furry, like. Yeah, like with a snout and tusks. Um, a little bit closer to what we get in the movie, actually, which is like a boar buffalo bear thing. Yeah, I would say he is kind of like a, uh, he, a boar slightly or. Yeah, he or, has or, like um, the kind of tusky 
like big teeth like a boar. Yeah. And also then, like, elements like of buffalo like buffalo horns. Yeah, and I was gonna say elements in some elements of it, kind of he like not lion like, but he has only, almost, he almost like has a like, like a, a mane, f- yeah, like a, and, and a like mane a, and a like a leonine like kind of face. Yeah, you could because I could almost imagine describing him as like a saber toothed tigery type of yeah. like look yeah. kind of. But I, boar, I think, is is also accurate. He's definitely a, a high like a hodgepodge of yes. sort of. And then he's like his like physical form is kind of bear like. Yeah. Like, um, but I, yeah, I think lion is also a pretty common way to depict the beast as well. I think yeah. maybe a little bit more modern. Yeah. Of a way. Um, I'm thinking of the Beauty and the Beast TV show. Yeah. I never saw From I like the, the 80s or 90s. Yeah. I think he's more like like Leonine in that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that, it's interesting because, yeah, Elephant would not be one of the... And it would make... Depending on... Because like Elephant, you could see if it was a... The story was coming from a... Maybe an Eastern... It was like well, the, from its Eastern roots or something. Probably... The reason that Villeneuve uses an elephant, an elephant, is that that would have been like incredibly exotic and strange right. to her audience in yeah. pre-revolutionary France. Yeah, interesting. That like that probably would have been something that a lot of her audience had only seen illustrations of. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, yeah. I just wanted, like I said, I just I was just really interested to see how that character design compared because we did talk about vague, very briefly in the prequel that. A lot of the he went through a lot of iterations mm-hmm. before the final version they landed on in the Disney film, and uh, apparently you can see many of those in the decorations of the castle, like those statues and stuff mm-hmm. within the castle have some of the earlier sort of iterations of the beast before, um, and maybe like the things on the top of the um, the gargoyles, the gargoyles, and, yeah. yeah, probably, yeah, 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 you know, versions of the beast that they kind of went through before they landed on the one we see in the film. Cool. All right. That was really all I want to know about that. Just want to know what the beast was and how he looked in the story and uh, what the movie did with it. I have a lot of other questions, though, so let's get to them in. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? So the first thing we get in the movie is the backstory of how the prince became the beast. We get uh, the sort of stained glass window illustrations of this backstory with a nice voiceover uh, giving us the fairy tale, um, the fairy tale (laughs) uh, about how he was cursed to become the beast. And I wanted to know if any of that story with the, the elderly woman coming to his door uh, and him turning her down uh, and then her turning into a beautiful princess and cursing him to a life of uh, loneliness. If that is what we get in the book story whatever um so Villeneuve's explanation is really long and convoluted very long very convoluted but it basically boils down to an ugly old fairy asked the prince to marry her and then cursed him when he was like nah I'm good okay so that's similar yeah it's similar ish ish like she I in the in the movie it's not stated explicitly that she wants him to like she marry just, her. She just, just wants to she come wants, Yeah, she wants like, shelter from the cold. Yeah, essentially, yeah, and he turns her away. Yeah. So not exactly the same, but there's a similar idea there. Mm-hmm. Um, Beaumont's version only states 
A wicked fairy had condemned me to remain under that shape until a beautiful virgin should consent to marry me without further explanation, which is very conventional for the fairy tale genre to yeah. just kind of state a fairy cursed me and we right. don't we don't really need any don't more really explanation need any more than that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But so yeah, that that's even more pared down version of the previous one. Yeah. But I mean, it's the, the Beaumont version tracks with the previous version. It just has less details. Yes. And both of those kind of track, except for the marrying part. I mean, the Beaumont version does essentially track on pretty much identically to the movie, other than like the reveal that she's actually a beautiful like witch or I don't know whatever. Yeah. She see a she, witch. She, witch? She, her her ugliness melts away to reveal a beautiful enchantress. Enchantress. Yeah, that's they the call word. her an enchantress. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so similar, but not not quite as detailed as it is in the movie, um, and then some slight tweaks. Uh, we also find out though, since now that he's been cursed uh, to this existence uh, with as the beast, um, the only uh, the only attachment he has, or the only like interaction he has with the outside world, is this magical mirror that I, I can't remember if she gave him, or yeah, I guess if it's ever stated, she gives him a magic mirror. Um, which basically can like it's a hand mirror. Yeah. Can, he, he can, can like say, look into it and say like show me show me whatever whatever and, and it shows show. him that. Yeah. And I want to know if that mirror, the magic mirror, comes from the story. It does not. Um, at least it does not come from the, the versions this, that I read. The two versions. That you um, read. And that that is a stipulation that I should put in here is that I looked at two different versions of the story, right. which were the kind of closest relatives yeah. of this film. Um, but it is also entirely possible that there are elements pulled from other variations yes. of this. And because one thing you didn't look at, and it's obviously because it's it's a movie and not a book, and we mentioned in the prequel, I think I mentioned, that so this uh, the movie was, there was another previous movie, the 1940 version, right. live action version of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it's a French film that uh that this movie pulls a lot of inspiration yeah, from and there, apart there from the story so there could be something that. i've yeah. never seen that i have version. not seen it either so we can't comment on whether how like what similarities or what things this movie may have taken from that movie mm-hmm. we don't know because we didn't watch that movie but not from these stories right. not from the stories that i read i do like that expansion i think it fits really neatly into the fairy tale genre yeah i mean it it, it i mean it tracks right along with what you uh Cinderella? I mean, there's a magic mirror in Snow White. Or Snow White, yeah, yeah. not Cinderella. Snow White. Yeah, so, you know, magic mirror is very common mm-hmm. in fairy tales and in, in different uses and different uh, tend to do different things throughout. But mirrors are often mirrors magical. Are, yeah, they're often considered magical items um, in folklore and fairy tales. Yep. Uh, along with the mirror, he also, the only other thing, not the only other thing, but the the other magical thing he has with this mirror is the rose uh, and in this in, in this version of the story in, in the Disney movie, the rose is essentially a clock that is counting down to his, I believe, 21st birthday, I think they say. Yeah, his 21st year. Yeah. And uh, when he once as it, as he ages and as time passes, the petals start falling off of this magical enchanted rose uh, that is under this glass thing. And uh, when the last petal falls off in his 21st year, uh, he, the, the the ability to reverse the curse will go away and he will be forever trapped yes. as the beast doomed whereas, to remain a beast doomed to remain a beast whereas he has an opportunity to to break that curse but it's it's on a time limit and i want to know one if the rose is 
that magical rose is in from the stories, and two, if there is, if if the rose or something else, a ticking clock of some sort, mm-hmm. or if he has, you know, for the rest of his life to reverse the curse. So the rose is an element in both Villeneuve and Beaumont's tales, but it's not enchanted. Um, it's not a ticking clock in the same way that it is in the movie. Um, there's no mention of him having any kind of time limit okay, so, in either story. So the, the imposed time limit of his 21st year or something, the Disney movie has added. Right, yeah, to we've, give us a, we've a added clock. that to um, up the stakes. Yes. Uh, so the rose in the story is basically like the impetus for the action, like the direct action of the story. Uh, Beauty asks her father to bring her back a rose when he leaves to go on like a business trip. And he tries to take one from the palace gardens, which oh, sets okay. the main story in motion. Okay. So there is in fact then a rose that yes. is important. Yeah. It's that's a, a common moti- motif. Yeah. But they just took it. They took it and turned it into a magical thing mm-hmm. that is uh, symbolizes his impending yeah uh his, his impending, impending doom. doom yeah <laughs> so uh obviously there's no songs in these fairy tales and this this movie is a musical um and i but there so there were some moments of the musical that i wanted to know if certain elements of it were anything that were reflected from the book one of those is that the, in the opening number fr- from the film is bell uh, as she's going through the town um and I wanted to know if anything with her interaction in the town or any elements of this song ring true to the character of, of beauty bell. I'm going to call her bell. That's right. She's not called bell in the, well, she is cause it's she French, is, cause but it's French, but, <laughs> but in the translation, she's yes. called beauty. Uh, and uh, if bell has, um, if any of the things that kind of transpire in that musical number track and felt like you, you, you saw the connection to the story that they were pulling from well there are a couple small things they are in like a a pastoral setting Mm -hmm. in the stories um they they weren't always her father is a merchant and has recently lost his fortune um but they are in like a countryside setting so there's that she does like to read more on that in your next question yes um and she is considered extremely beautiful to the point that we don't know her name because everyone just calls her just beauty. calls her beauty. So that so that is interesting because it, it it does, and I I guess I could have asked what her name was and I didn't, but that I mean we can yeah. we kind of already have touched on it. Um, obviously in the Disney version her name's Belle, which works for an American audience as a name, right? Because it just sounds like a nice name, but it's from the French, which is beauty, hence Beauty and the Beast. Belle is beauty, blah blah blah. Um, but so we don't actually know her name in no. the stories. She is just always referred to as Belle. Be- yeah, Belle beauty. or Beauty. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, but um, but she is, and that is one of the things that comes across in in the in the in that song is the everybody in the town does sort of regard her in as this very beautiful um woman and who is who's shown up in the town and they're all sort of taken with her. And that's kind of the main thing we're setting up in that musical mm-hmm. number, along with her sort of quirkiness which is the fact that she likes to read right and i wanted to know if that was something that disney invented trying to push uh a dirty commie <laughs> uh feminist uh reading of a, of a heroine who likes to read or if that is inspired by the original text i say original text original in air quotes the original quest text in in this particular instance right 
So this is actually not an invention of woke 90s Disney. <laughs> okay. V- uh, Villeneuve's version does feature an immense library at the castle, mm-hmm. and it's mentioned that Beauty likes to read. She finds the library, and she's really jazzed about it. She's yeah. like, I love reading. And Beaumont's story also specifies that Beauty loves to read, and it is something that her sisters mock her for. Oh, so she has version. sisters. Yeah, she and... has sisters in both. Okay. And brothers. Right, They're but not, not super in the Disney, important. Not in the Disney movie. No, she's yeah. an only child, Yeah, or so it seems. Um, and is that something that the fact that she likes to read, I guess so that the town doesn't, it's not maybe not as something that the town necessarily knows about her. But it is something that her sisters sort of mock. And they're not mocking her in the movie, but they kind of, there's an implied, like... In that opening number, they're just, like, puzzled by her. They're like, I don't understand what she's about. Yeah, exactly. And, um... But the the, the main question, her liking to read, is absolutely... Yes, it is absolutely pulled directly from these texts. Cool. Uh, Speaking of that song, we're introduced to Gaston... Uh, the the local town jock. <laughs> um, what's the mean himbo? It's just jock, right? I don't yeah. Know, there's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's the he's like the jock blueprint. Yeah. Gaston. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to know if that character or a similar sort of adversarial love interest to, you know, in opposition to the beast, mm-hmm. is something that is from the story, or if that is a an invented sort of character to provide us a more traditional antagonist Uh, there's no gaston in either of these stories she does not have any love interest that we're aware of yeah and 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 to go beyond the love interest part there is there a sort of because even if that wasn't the love angle wasn't part of it is there any sort of like town like a human adversary um in this story you know what i mean like there's some animosity with her sisters, but they're not like a direct antagonist. And not direct, not specifically to be like. No. Okay. Yeah. That, I guess that's what I'm saying. There is no, there's no uh, human character who is sort a, like of a foil. a foil no. to our main sort of pairing Mm-mm. in any way. Okay. Cool. Uh, speaking of some other characters that are in this opening sequence. Uh, I, th- I I looked this up to see what they were called because I didn't know their name, and I believe they're called the Bimbets. I've, I've seen that, and in, I've also seen them called the Silly Girls. The Silly Girl. Well, let's go with the Silly Girls. Which is a slightly girls. nicer name yeah. than the Bimbets. Uh, those are the three, I believe they're all blonde? Yeah, they're the three blondes who hang out in the town and yes. swoon over Gaston. And swoon over Gaston. I wanted to know if there was any parallel there, um, and I have an idea of what that might be based on what you've said already, but mm-hmm. um, if those characters are paralleled in any way in the original text so they're not at all similar to beauty's sisters in the story because that yeah once you said sisters but she does have sisters and there is like some animosity um because let's be honest in these stories beauty is kind of a goody goody Uh so like at the beginning of the stories her sisters are kind of like oh this this one over here. She does have a bit of a up. a bit of a obnoxious naivete that yeah. that kind of she she has real big uh Beth Marsh energy. A little bit. So yeah. <laughs> like it. Yeah. Um and then later on in the story, um 
when she sh- she shows back up at home and she has like riches from the enchanted castle, then they get kind of jealous. Oh, so okay. there is some like some animosity and some jealousy, but it's not really it's the, not same the exact as same, but what we see from the silly girls. Kind of similar. Yeah. Or at least that, you know, you could I could see that being a potential thing that they wanted to include without having um the complication of her having siblings because that right. makes the storyline much more complicated yeah, that makes in terms the story of like a, a little bit more convoluted. It makes much more sense to just have her be an only child. Yeah, because then trying to figure out, you know, like okay, well, when her dad goes missing, she has to be the one to go yes. look for him, and like you yeah. can't, you know, it, it just it, it makes things a lot more simple. Yeah, in terms of that that storytelling, really, it is interesting because what we get is a very stark pairing down of the siblings in this story. In Villeneuve's version, uh, her father has 12 children, six boys and six girls. Oh, wow. And then in Beaumont's, she slices that to six, three boys and three girls. And now in Disney's version, she's going to be like, she's an only child. Only child. We don't want to deal with this. Way easier. (laughs) Yeah, that works. Uh, speaking of Belle's family, I wanted to know if, cause oftentimes, uh, you know, we've done a lot of these fairy, not a lot, we've done a handful of these mm-hmm. fairy tale adaptations and stuff. And very often, um, some of the secondary characters are incredibly like in the adaptation, in the film version, they will often take secondary minor characters like the main characters, parents or siblings or something and turn them into much more important characters. Mm -hmm. Whereas they're just sort of briefly mentioned in the fairy tale version Mm -hmm. um, because the stories are so sort of sparse in their original fairy tale format version. Um, We don't spend a lot of time getting, you know, character background and stuff. Does Belle's dad play a role in the, is he even really in the story? And if so, what kind of role does he play? Is it com- comparable to what we get in the movie? And we've already touched on this a little, so it's kind of been spoiled. But yeah. what's that? What's he the deal actually with is dead? pretty comparable to what we see in the movie. Uh, he's not an inventor. Yeah, that was my other question yeah. is whether or not on top of that, if he is in it, if he's an eccentric, eccentric inventor, yeah. which I had a feeling that was not the case. No, he's not an inventor. He's a merchant in both versions of the story that okay. I read. Uh, but he is like he does go away on a journey, mm-hmm. and that is when he stumbles upon the castle, and Beauty does take his place as the beast prisoner. Yeah, so he fulfills a very like the exact same role, really. Yeah, that because that was my next question was if he does the is sort of the impetus to the 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 thing that spurs Bell into Beast's castle, and mm-hmm. it, and it sounds like yes, slightly different scenarios where in the. In the movie, it's because um, he's running from wolves and ends up in right, the castle. Right, he ends up at the castle, um, and then Belle has to like go find him yeah. and ends up taking his place. Whereas in these stories, he kind of just stumbles across this enchanted castle while he's traveling, and he then, like I said, he the brings on the, the beast's anger by trying to take a rose from the gardens. Um, and similar to the movie, the beast tells him that he doesn't have to stay there if one of his daughters will come take his place. Gotcha. So he goes home and he like relates his sad tale and beauty is like, well, this is kind of my fault. So I volunteer to go. Oh, interesting. So she doesn't go yeah. looking for him. He no, comes she doesn't back. Go. And he then... comes back. <laughs> I like the idea <laughs> yeah. that I feel like the movie version maybe makes a little more sense. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like if I'm Belle's dad, I'm just like, well, 
that guy. Like, right. like, <laughs> like I'm just, okay, yep, I'll be back. And I mean, to his credit in these stories, he does try to be like, no, no, you don't need to do that. And she's like, well, if you don't take me there, I'm going to go try to find the castle anyway, and I'll probably die doing that. So you better just take me. So I feel I can like take if I'm place. him, I'm like, but we just don't, we just don't go back. <laughs> Like what? I mean, I think the, the thing that we need to remember here is that they don't actually know, like, the limits of what his powers are. Yeah, I have a question about this later, so we'll get into that about the whole deal with... Like the castle? The castle and yeah. stuff, because I have so many questions about that. But we'll... we'll so Not so but it, many. But I is, really have one question. It is but. an enchanted castle, so to be fair, they don't actually know, like, what he could do okay. to them if, if they don't fulfill this bargain. I guess that's fair. Uh, so speaking of the enchanted castle, and I know the answer to this because in my research for <laughs> the... Uh, the movie uh, when I was doing the movie facts and research and stuff for the prequel episode, I came across that this was added uh, specifically. Mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, Alan Menken's uh, this was one of his ideas. Um, it comes from other things, but one of his ideas was to make this a, a big part of it. And that is the talking slash animated uh, household items. Yeah. And I want to know if that comes from the stories. Uh, not exactly. Yeah. So the enchanted castle uh, in in Villeneuve's version is filled, well, I guess in both versions, um, it's filled with invisible servants, which is similar to other tales like the myth of Cupid and Psyche, um, where she's uh, our heroine is waited on by these servants that she can't see. In the sense of, like, when you say invisible servants, not like... Not like foods floating up to the table, no, but like, like but she like walks into a room and there's a full meal on yes, the table and she doesn't know who done and they never she, she never sees who. any people. OK, yes. that's what I figured. I just wanted to clarify that it's not <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, yeah, like ghosts are waiting on her or something like that. Uh, Villeneuve calls them disguised genie. Okay. In her story, uh, the castle in Beaumont's version is also similarly enchanted, but there's no explanation for it other than that. It's a fairy castle. OK. Yeah, that that's interesting. That's actually more than I thought. To be fair, I actually mm -hmm. thought that that ele the element of sort of the 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 magical castle itself um, would be like I, my 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 idea was that the literally the only like sort of magical thing we were gonna get was the curse itself, mm -hmm. um, and that he would be essentially living in a basically like standard castle with like servants and stuff. Now that castle is hecka enchanted. Interesting. Super enchanted. Okay. So, that, yeah, that, I guess that kind of works because we know yeah. there's some sort of magical people slash something, you know, right. taking care of the castle. The movie just goes and they're the servants that were there originally, but they're now they're turned into. Now they're like candelabras and, yeah, clocks, and, and things, clocks and things, which yeah. I do think is kind of a natural extension of this idea of like, oh, things are just magically right. taken care of. Yeah. And again, I we don't know exactly what this idea of from the movie could have been pulled from i thought i i thought i read and i could be wrong about this that that there was um the f 1940s did they do that did something, something like something that similar? So, i could be wrong about that but i read some note that this that it came from somewhere but that it was alan menken's mm -hmm. idea to make it a prominent part of this movie i wouldn't be surprised and again, I haven't seen the 1940s <laughs> French version, but I wouldn't be surprised if that has an element of like 
oh, the items in the castle just automatically do whatever it is they're supposed to do. Right, yeah. Because that's not, like, an uncommon thing to see in, like, fantasy properties anyway. Yeah. Like, the the pot of tea that pours itself and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, and they could get away with doing some, like, like old-timey old practical and, effects yeah. to, kind of, to kind of cheat that stuff, yeah. Yeah, that could be. That could be an interesting, yeah. That could be what it was. I don't know. Well, maybe somebody's seen the 1940s like version. So, yeah. Which, again, then just turning them into characters yeah. is a very natural extension of that. Yeah. So, uh, again, speaking of the castle, there's uh, we Belle is told upon arriving at the castle, uh, not arriving, but after she makes the deal to stay there to release her father, um, she's told she can she can go anywhere she wants except for the I don't the west know, wing. The, is it the west wing? Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say the west wing. I'm like, surely that's not right. No, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, she's forbidden from going to that that wing of the castle, uh, and they won't tell her why. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know if that element of the story is from the stories or if it's added because it is from a different fairy tale. But <laughs> we could talk about that, I guess. Uh, So neither of these stories features a section of the castle that was off limits to beauty. In Villeneuve's version, she's actually like constantly exploring the castle and finding new cool rooms. Uh, A lot of Villeneuve's story is just like rooms in the castle. Hmm. Uh, And the the castle seems like it actually changes to meet her desires in that version of the story, which is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, but th- so the other thing I was thinking of was um, Bluebeard, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, and just for anybody who doesn't know, which uh, there is a movie that is a, I'm sure there are plenty, but there's a recent movie that's a vague adaptation of well, Bluebeard, it, right? Um, I don't know if it's a direct adaptation, but when we watched Crimson Peak, yes. I was like, this is Bluebeard. Yeah. Um, yeah that's what I was thinking was that yeah. Crimson Peak is is at least inspired by, if not an adaptation mm-hmm. of Bluebeard. Yeah, Bluebeard. And in Bluebeard, that is one of the yes, primary. Or like it's yes, the, there's a room that uh, the young bride is told not to go into. Yeah. And so I, that to me felt like very clearly if it wasn't from this story, if it mm-hmm. wasn't from Beauty and the Beast fairy tale, that it was probably inspired by Yeah, it's another Bluebeard. thing like the magic mirror that just tracks really well with the fairy tale genre. Yeah. And uh, Disney is nothing if not masters of pulling disparate pieces yes. from many different properties and rolling them all into one amalgamation of culture that kind of just works. It's like <laughs> Disney's entire business model. <laughs> Does she just leave uh, at one point? Like she just runs away mm-hmm. uh, and the beast basically just lets her leave. Essentially, like he doesn't he doesn't actually like seem to go stop her. Yeah, we don't see him try to stop her from... There's a moment, like, right after she breaks into the West Wing. Yeah. And he gets mad that she's in there because he told her not to go in there. And she runs away. She runs away. She tries but, to escape. And he doesn't, he doesn't try to stop her. He doesn't go after her. Yeah. He only goes after her once he sees that, right? Doesn't he look in the mirror? Am I wrong? Or No, he doesn't look in the mirror. He just shows up. Okay, so he... could. He either could have looked in the mirror or he could have been following her. I don't know. I guess it's complicated, yeah. but it doesn't seem like he tried to stop her. He only shows up ultimately to save her in the nick of time from the wolves mm-hmm. um, attacking her. Uh, and he is then uh, thus injured in the process. And then she has to care for him. And I wanted to know if any of that sort of story beat was pulled from the story, because I thought it was really interesting that she leaves and he does not stop her um, or doesn't seem to stop her. No, it's that's not really. She doesn't try to escape. 
So there's not any element of that initial thing. The Beast does let her go at one point to visit her family in these stories. And when she returns, he's near death because she stayed away for too long. Uh, but this that's like right before he transforms. That's like the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So I would say it has more in common with the end of the movie. Yeah, that's absolutely and, yeah. the part that I'm going to ask about here in a little bit. Then, yeah, yeah that, that's that part. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, and you have said it, uh, but I had to ask, is there a giant library yes, in the castle? both of these versions do mention vast libraries. Do they mention them having sweet ladders? It's not mentioned. <laughs> okay. But this is, like, France in its heyday. So most likely yeah, had there were sweet, sweet ladders. library ladders. Does the Beast have to relearn table manners at any point? Classic scene in the Disney version. He, he eats, like, you know, a, like an a animal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and is, uh, when Belle comes and shows up and they're having dinner, he has to relearn how to use silverware, etc., that's not in either of these I stories. assumed not. Yeah. Felt like a fun movie, you know, sort of <laughs> comic gag that I wasn't expecting of uh, 17th century French fairy tale, whatever century it is. But <laughs> uh, And then uh, so now their relationship is starting to grow. They're becoming starting to like each other uh, for reasons that we'll discuss. Uh, but at one point in the movie, they're outside. It's now winter and it's snowing and they have an adorable snowball fight. And I want to know if they have a snowball fight. They do not have a snowball fight. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> Another one that I felt like I knew the answer to, but I had to ask anyways. And in that snowball fight, it's a good thing that Beast didn't get to throw that snowball he made because he would have yeah, just murdered Belle. He would have just murdered Belle. Would have been. That's like the snowball the size of a beach ball. <laughs> yeah. It's it. Yes. It's like it's like 40 pounds of snow. Yeah. That he's going to hurl at her head. Uh, and then for now, the big moment in the movie. I have to ask about this. It's like the scene everybody remembers. Mm-hmm. We talked about it in the prequel episode. It's the scene that they used a lot of uh, for the first time used like significant um, amounts of CG in mm-hmm. uh, to do this 3D ballroom that they're dancing in. And I want to know if the ballroom dance or the ball, and I don't have this specifically, but you, it'll follow from it. The ballroom gown that she's wearing, mm. the yellow dress, if we get either of those things in the stories. So there's no elegant ballroom dance. Okay. In both of these stories, basically the only things that Beauty and the Beast do together are eat dinner together every night. Okay. That's pretty much it. Boring. A little bit, yeah. Um, On the subject of the dress, this, like, there's nothing that seems specific to the ball gown that she has in the movie is described. To be fair, there's nothing particularly, like, um, unique or, like, (sighs) yeah, there's nothing particularly unique or or distinctive about Belle's ball gown in this scene, apart from it being gold. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing you remember the most about it. Yeah. Like is it's this big, it, it ele- looks like melted elegant gold, gold yeah. ball gown. Like, but there's not like, you know, there's nothing like super intricate or unique about it right. apart from it's the It's not color. even really period. No, but <laughs> yes, but I, yeah. So you're saying though that there is potential. Well, I think there's a potential analog to, like, because we, we meet in the movie the character of the wardrobe who wants to, like, dress her up. Yeah. And 
at least it, it's not so much in Beaumont's story. Um, Beaumont's story mentions that there's a lot of like riches and finery mm-hmm. at the Enchanted Castle, but in Villeneuve's version, she actually plays dress up quite a bit because there's a lot of really nice clothes there. Oh, okay. So I feel like there's like an analog yeah. there, yeah. similarity. Well, and I think it's fair because throughout the, I mean, throughout even beyond the gold ballroom dress, throughout the movie, there's she's in several. Like once she gets yeah. to the castle, she ends up in quite a few different sort yeah. of yeah. You they're know, they're able striking, to outfit her in several yeah, different dresses. Dresses, um, like that, and then there's the there's the, the pink dress, which is the one she's more often depicted in. I like her green dress that she wears during the snowball fight. I've always liked the green dress. Yeah, that and the I was going to say there's that dress, but then specifically she's wearing like a, which also I don't know if it's oh, she has or like, not, a, like a cloak a, and a, a cloak, mantle. little like mantle yeah. thing, which is cool. It has like fur, like fur trim. trim and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned it earlier, but and you, so this, it sounds like, is actually something that was pulled essentially from the stories is that she finds out she wants to see her dad. So she looks at him in the mirror and sees that he's uh, he's in peril, and she mm-hmm. must go and help him. Um, and in this moment, Beast lets her leave. He's like, "Yeah, go, fine." Um, and but he's very forlorn in this moment because his dream of you know not being the Beast anymore and marrying her is gone because he's let her go. And I was like, "Bro, just go help her." Like, yeah, she's like, "No, my dad needs help," and he's like, "Fine, go help her." It's like you could go help. Right? Maybe he can't leave the castle. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, well, that would actually track. That it, yeah. it doesn't say that, yeah, but it would track doesn't. because they do say the mirror is his only connection. Maybe there's some yeah, weird rule, but they do not leave. say like he can't leave the castle. Right. I feel like, and maybe it's implied, but I feel like it's not like an explicit rule that the movie lays out that he can't leave the castle. But I, I guess maybe that is the case. But but so that would actually, I guess, kind of work. But I did think it was like just because she's leaving now doesn't mean she wouldn't yeah. ever return. It or does like, seem I, like a really obvious solution of like, OK, we're going to go find him right now. Bring him back here and yeah. he'll, he'll receive the best care imaginable. Yeah. My. Yeah. The <laughs> Although he doesn't. We do know from the earlier scene where she has to take care of his injuries. Apparently, he does not have an animated, uh, you know. Um, household object that does like medical care. I, yeah, I guess not. Because he, Bell has There's to do no it for him. In animated. The movie. What would that even be? A roll of bandages? Yeah, I was trying to think of what <laughs> it would make sense to. I mean, it would have to be something that could. Because do... there would have been a court doctor, right? Or like, something like that. that. Yeah, yeah, been... yeah, yeah. There would be like the royal physician yeah. or something like that. You would think. Mm. And yeah, it would, I, but I don't know enough about medical stuff at the time of what that person would turn into. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Something horrifying, probably, because <laughs> all of their medicine back then was just a nightmare. But <laughs> a bloodletting knife. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think what would make a good <laughs> a jar of that slugs. character. It's, it's just a jar of, oh, no, uh, of yeah, eels. Leeches. Or, yeah, leeches. leeches. That's what I was thinking. Just of. an animate jar of leeches that is like <laughs> one person's consciousness somehow like embodying a jar of leeches oh my god that would have been fun imagine like you and all of your fellow household servants get turned into objects and like some people get to be like suits of armor yeah and you're a jar of a jar of leeches i mean apart from how just being a leech would be weird 
you have to grapple with the the fact that your consciousness is like split into multiple organisms oh, and gross. how that even works and maybe you're wild. the jar <laughs> you just have to be filled with leeches yeah that could have been a fun animating thing though because the leeches could move inside oh, to like make faces you know yeah. like the face could be the leeches like moving around i mean it would have been gross but it would have been interesting could have been interesting anyways <laughs> but yeah uh i so but that is from the book her, her he, he letting does, him he letting does her let leave. her go yeah. she's like oh I, I really miss my family i want to go see my family nobody is in immediate peril right like in the movie and he's like well you can go but if you don't come back in two months something really bad is gonna happen oh he does say that yeah is, is he, he like he gives the, no the the bad thing is that like when she because she, she does stay away too long uh, so like when she breaks her word then that like affects him and he starts dying okay it's fairy tale logic we can't question okay it. i was just gonna say because then it does yeah but but does him telling her something bad will happen make something bad happen or would something bad have happened if he didn't tell her you know what I mean? I like, well, I guess well, my maybe, question I is mean, like him being like, if you don't return in two months, something bad will happen. Let me fact check and see what he actually says in Beaumont's version. I'm just wondering, because to me, it could be that changes like to me that that changes the. All right. The characterization of. Yeah, yeah, it just changes the characterization of Beast. In, in the story, if he tells her. If you don't come back in two months, something bad. That's like very like sort of weird, um, abusive relationship type thing. Whereas if if he tells her that and him telling her that is what like causes this situation where if she doesn't come back, he will die. Or if he just there is some weird rule that if she leaves in two months, he'll die. And he's just relaying that information to her. And I guess I, I just wonder what I don't know. It's weird. I don't like that. I'm glad the movie got rid of that because <laughs> okay. I think it's too complicated. All right. And weird. So she says, I have so great the desire to see my father that I shall fret to death if you refuse me that satisfaction. I had rather die myself, said the monster, than give you the least uneasiness. I will send you to your father. You shall remain with him and poor beast will die with grief. No, said Beauty, weeping, I love you too well to be the cause of your death. I give you my promise to return in a week. You have shown me that my sisters are married and my brother's gone to the army. Only let me stay a week with my father as he is alone. You shall be there tomorrow morning, said the beast, but remember your promise. You need only lay your ring on a table before you go to bed when you have a mind to come back. Farewell, Beauty. Okay, so he didn't tell her anything about uh, maybe i'm remembering i'm not i'm not going back and looking for that in villeneuve's uh, version it's, fine. it's too long okay so it could be from the other version potentially be. yeah um because yeah that version didn't have anything to do with well he does say he's gonna die with grief right but that that's just sort of hyperbolic like love sure. lovey-dovey like oh i'll die every you know i'll die a death every moment you're away okay. or something whatever like, um that's... and then she comes back um 
Uh, then she found poor Beast stretched out, quite senseless, and she imagined dead. She threw herself upon him without any dread, and finding his heart still beat, she fetched some water and poured it on his head. Beast opened his eyes and said to Beauty, You forgot your promise, and I was so afflicted for having lost you that I resolved to starve myself. But since I have the happiness of seeing you once more, I die satisfied. Okay. So, again, that's, that, that's different than what I... Again, maybe the other version has the other thing where he's like, if you don't come back in two months, because that's real like weird abuser stuff. Like, I, yeah, I agree. So that yeah. and I know I know Villeneuve's version was two months, but I'm not going back. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm I, sorry. It's fine. I'm not going back Doesn't and matter. looking for it. I've already suffered through Villeneuve's version once. OK, um, but yeah, he does let her leave and uh, she does then return on her own. Yes. Uh, does the town form a pitch for? Uh, so we we know there's no guests on, but I did want to know if there was a, if we at any point have the town sort of finding out about Beast and deciding mm -hmm. they need to go kill the Beast. Right. Uh, if we get a, a pitchfork um, and torch mob right. to kill the mob him. song. Yeah. Um, or as I like to call it, the straights are having a gay panic. Mm -hmm. I was all, I was thinking also that, and as you could definitely read into it a. Um, like a race thing, like definitely, like yeah. oh, the local town pretty white girl. We don't know that that guy out in the castle. She can't be with him. Go murder. Yeah. Like, go let's go murder that guy. No, I agree. And then uh, I mean, and obviously, no, we know Howard Ashman. Yes, was writing for this. Right, and um, and, and and so yes, the, and the I, gay I allegory say, yes, makes the, a lot more the, sense. The but. queer theory in this song, if you look at like the lyrics of it, a lot of it is directly ripped from like gay panic mm -hmm. like oh the children yeah the beast will make off with your children he'll right. come after them in the night yeah kind of thing but i but i, I think it tracks in yeah, no, no, both it definitely readings tracks for sure either way yeah. um regardless none of that is from either of these versions yeah uh, there's not like a town so we don't know any of the town's people okay so we don't yeah nothing no parallel there mm -mm. cool uh, and we know there's no guest on, so I think it's safe then to say that we don't have any sort of final confrontation. No. Between the beast and a foe of any sort mm -hmm. or anything like that. Okay. Unless you count his grief as a foe. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, then the the last minute confession of love. It sounds based on what you just read from the... Um, which version? Beaumont version? Yeah, the Beaumont version. From the Beaumont version that this is the case. Um, but... So specifically in the movie, she has to, and I'm now not sure that I remember whether it's say that she loves him or kiss him or both. I'm not it's, sure. She has to, she has to fall in love with him and there has to be some kind of confirmation of that. Okay. Right? Because obviously she already does love him before right. that exact moment when yeah. she says, I love you. Right. But yeah, we would assume that the the spell needs Requires some kind some of, sort of confirmation from okay. her. Um, and so my question is, if there is that sort of specific thing that needs to happen, whether it be a kiss or a confession mm -hmm. of love, uh, in order for the curse to be lifted, and then also uh, because in the movie he's been stabbed by Gaston and is dying and essentially seems to have died, um, and I wanted to know if if that that secondary aspect of it of him dying and then essentially kind of being resurrected as a human mm -hmm. is part of the original story kind of but not really um so the second part the second part okay. yeah um so we know based on what i already read he's he's like at death's door right so he doesn't die he doesn't die right. in the same way and it's not by an injury or anything it's because no he's 
He's dying. He got dying. real emo and starved himself yeah, to death. Pretty yeah. much. So we know in the movie it's that she has to love him. And in Beaumont's version, she has already said that she loves him, but she's like, I love you as a friend. Mm. We're we're friends. <laughs> Beast got friend zone. <laughs> I love you as a friend. Um, but the thing that breaks the spell in both Beaumont and Villeneuve's version is that she agrees to marry him. Okay. So that's a very specific, yeah, yeah. Uh, agreeing to marriage. Um, does he propose in the story or does she like? He asks her, okay. yeah. Um, each night he asks her if she'll uh, marry him. Okay. And she's like, no, I'm good. And okay. he's like. Okay, I respect that and yeah. goes away. I do like that the movie got rid of that, like, that. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the it's, that. It's, it's odd. And I just want to reiterate again, in case we have listeners who didn't listen to the prequel, mm-hmm. the history of the French versions of this story is essentially that it was told for women and girls who were in or were going to be in arranged marriages. Yeah. So that kind of focus on marriage yes. makes a lot of sense. Marriage and and even a focus on um, sort of finding, uh, eventually over time, finding love in this person that... That you didn't really you have didn't any really choice have but any to be str- with. Choice with to be with and, 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 and you know, maybe even initially disliked that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So he does, uh, it does require a specific yeah. sort of event to transpire in order to break the curse. Right, yeah. She, the basis of it is that she has to agree to marry him. Vilna's version goes, like, way more complex with it, and she has to have, like, agreed to be there under, like, a specific set of conditions and all this stuff. Her version is very complex. Yeah. Um, and then my final question is, once the curse is lifted or is lifting in the process, the transformation, what does it look like? And does it look like anything that you imagined or does the movie version look like anything that you kind of get from reading the mm-hmm. story version? Um, is it because the movie movie version is very magic. He, you know, there's like st- there's there's like firework looking things falling from the sky and then he lifts up in the air and spins around and there's smoke and he, you know, mm-hmm. it's very very magical Mm -hmm. um and i wanted to know if that felt like it was inspired by the story or if that's just disney you know making this moment very dramatic so villeneuve's version was uninteresting so i'm not going to read from villeneuve okay Uh, but from beaumont we have something that is not dissimilar to the movie so i'm going to read from beaumont here beauty scarce had pronounced these words when she saw the palace sparkle with light and fireworks instruments of music everything seemed to give notice of some great event but nothing could fix her attention she turned to her dear beast for whom she trembled with fear but how great was her surprise beast had disappeared and she saw at her feet one of the loveliest princes that i ever beheld so yeah, uh, at least somewhat. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we get music, we get fireworks, because uh, yeah. that's the Sparkling moment. Sparkling with light. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the moment to me in the movie that always gets me, and, and it it it, do, it is a really effective moment. Is is that when that first little stream of like pink sparkles? Yeah, falls behind her every time. Yeah. like the and hair on like, the back of your neck stands up. Yeah. Something's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. And so it does sound like that, at least from the Beaumont version, we have, I mean, literally mentions fireworks mm-hmm. um, and and music and sparkling with light. So I definitely feels, and and, and because we get a similar, the sparkling with light thing, the rejuvenation of the castle as like the light spreads over yeah. it and it, it turns from sort of the 
gothic, you know, horror mansion that it is into a into yeah, like the all the, revitalized. All the, all the gargoyles turn into cupids. Yeah, and... yeah, it becomes a much more um, welcoming and light place. Fantastic. All right. Well, those were all of my questions for was that in the book? I have a couple things that I'm a little confused about that we're going to figure out in Lost in Adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. Wow. Was it lost? Yes. Yes. And I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So the rest of the prince's family, I feel like is mentioned briefly in the beginning of the movie and then never touched on again. And I want to know what's the deal with this family. Is it? I swear that we see in the stained glass thing, we see his parents. Mm-mm. I could have sworn. I'm going to tell you, no, we don't. Okay. <laughs> I could have swore that the at prologue the prologue ver- just says a young prince lived in a shining castle. I, okay. That, cool. I could have swore in the one of the stained glass things you see like other people, but maybe not. Maybe I it's mean, servants. So, I don't yeah, know. it's the servants, I think. Okay. Sure. I'll take your word for it. Regardless, that doesn't change my question. What's the what's the deal with? Does he have family? Do we do we? All right, like because he's a prince, he's <laughs> so, not the king. Like who's right. the king? You know, that's my question. So Beaumont's version doesn't mention his family, probably for the same reason that the movie doesn't, which is that it's not really necessary. Like I, I get it as a no, point I, of curiosity. I agree. So these questions are not like I need to know yeah. these answers or the story doesn't work. It's just I'm just right. curious. But we we don't need to know about or meet his family in order to to understand and enjoy the story. Yeah. Villeneuve's version gives a long convoluted explanation about his father being dead and his mother being away leading an army in battle. You got that correct. I got that correct. Good for his mom. (laughs) (laughs) Look at her go. But she leaves him in the care of a dubious fairy, which is how he ends up in this situation. Oh, the fairy in that version is like somehow his caretaker. Yeah. Oh, and then she not just like like a a random. Yeah. And then he he grew up and she was like, we should get married. And he was like, oh, no, I'm good. (laughs) Okay. That's weirder than it initially yep. sounded like from when you described it. Yep. Uh, but in a similar light, okay, so yeah, I agree. You don't really know much about his family. In a similar light, though, uh, he lives in this gigantic magical castle, mm. and I wanted to know what's does like does the town? And you said there's no town in the stories, but do the local people not know about this castle? It seems like Bell's dad has. Just stumbles yeah. across this giant castle that a prince lives in. You would seemingly think that the local people would know, you know, their royalty and where they lived and what's going on with them. His her dad stumbles into the front door and is like, "Is anybody here?" And I'm like, "What? You, I don't know. I feel like he would know, or other people would know what's going on again." Because then also at the end of the movie, they're like, "There's a beast." Living in that giant castle that's always been there? Like, do they not know about it? What's the deal with the castle? So it's not explained in either story. Uh, You could chalk it up to fairy magic or to Beauty's family only having recently moved to the area, which is is an explanation for why they don't know about it, at least. Uh, To me, this is They've recently uh, moved there? Yes. Okay. To the countryside because... I don't think that's something in the movie. No. Um, I mean, I get the vibe in the movie that Belle probably hasn't lived there for her entire life. Yeah, it seems possible. Just, like, based on the way the townspeople react to her. Yeah, I guess I could see that. 
but also they're all or at least like because like the they're pretty friendly well i say like the 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 guy with the books seems to know her but it could be recent still yeah who knows yeah we don't know how long she's been there uh, but in both of these stories, they are recently moved to the country because the father, who was a merchant, has lost his fortune. Okay. So they have to go to the country and be poor. Um, to me, this is also similar to, like, the prince's family. It's something that just doesn't really matter. And we're meant to just, like, accept it and move forward with the story, which is a very fairy tale convention. Like it's very on brand for the genre yeah. to have details like that that just don't matter. Yeah, and that's and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I like I said cuz to me I think it, the thing that I was thinking might have been the case mm-hmm. cuz I thought it would this would also make sense if it was like that everybody just thought it was like abandoned or something or mm-hmm. haunted or whatever. And like I mean, so, nobody haunted, went. I could definitely. Yeah, like see. Ha- like it used to be like the king and the queen and the prince used to live there, but oh, something happened, and mm-hmm. you know the 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 king died and the and the queen moved away, and and we don't know what happened to the prince, and it's haunted, and nobody goes there because if you go there, you'll get, you'll whatever. Like yeah. we've heard, you know, they hear like horrible wailing for you know like it mm-hmm. makes you could make it very clearly yeah. and make it very easy like yeah, sort of story explanation explanation of the castle and why it's there or not why it's there but like why the townspeople like avoid it or whatever or that sort mm-hmm. of thing um so i was just wondering if there was any explanation like that there's not okay i think it's interesting though both of your questions are things that the 2017 live action remake attempts to retcon. That doesn't surprise me. And I'm now very interested to see what you think about how it temp- attempts to retcon. Those I mean, because I, there's ways you could do those things, like or tr- attempt to address them that would be stupid. And like, I, I agree that they don't need to necessarily be addressed. The movie mm-hmm. works fine as it is without really ever especially because it's primarily for children. They don't care or no, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. they don't care like what the backstory of the prince and, the, and his parents are like, that's not important. But I, I do think that there is. And so I do think there's a way you could do it. That would be interesting. I also think you could do it in a way that's clumsy and unnecessary and doesn't really add anything. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what this, the 2017 version does. But I, but I think you could do, like I said, do the version where you do give a little bit of an explanation that at least sort of satiates some of that, like, or, or not even satiates. I think that just does some world building that is interesting to a more thought, not thoughtful reader, but like a, 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 an adult or somebody who's like wondering, you know, like, what's the deal with this? To I don't know. To me, the 2017. <laughs> and I have not has, seen the 2017 version, I have. so. Uh, there are varying degrees of success. Okay. Uh, while we are on the topic, the 2017 live-action remake of this film is going to be our August Patreon bonus episode. Sweet! So if you're interested in hearing every single thought <laughs> that I have about that, of which there are many... Yeah. That'll be available at the $5 and up level on our page there you go in august look forward to that i bet i like it i have a lot of thoughts on that movie and i yeah i bet we're gonna disagree I bet i'm just gonna like it probably be like yeah it's fine it's good i mean it's not i i i'm sure it's not gonna have some of the magic that the, the 91 version does but i feel like i'm just gonna be like yeah it's pretty good makes sense i get it uh 
All right. That was all I had for Lost in Adaptation. Now it's time for Katie to talk about all the things she liked better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So my big better in the book thing is the Beast. He does have more of a character and a personality in the movie, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that the movie makes him, at least initially, is kind of an asshole with, an, with a horrible temper. You can do that again with not saying asshole. Um, <laughs> jerk. The thing, the thing that the movie does is make him kind of a jerk with a horrible temper. And I get why the movie does it. Like, I, I understand. Um, but on the other hand, it does bother me that, like, it bothers me that they went that direction. And it also bothers me that it, it then ends up being fodder for the Stockholm Syndrome take. Yeah. And I, I think that there probably was maybe a subtler way to tackle his character. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you could have him be more of a direct foil to Gaston. Have him be like arrogant and entitled, but maybe not always like violent and screaming. Mm, interesting. Okay. Like have him initially be a little bit more similar to Gaston because we we see we, uh, yeah, no, we do think... end up seeing Gaston's temper yeah. and like his rage and anger, but initially it's very like underneath this veneer of charm. Right. But I, I think we could have the beast initially instead of him having having him ha- have this temper and just be like furious and like yelling and like pounding on her door and threatening to break it down we have him be like very openly arrogant and entitled i think that is interesting because i think that is a, a would be a kind of a clever way to again like you said to to play him against gaston mm-hmm. i think the issue there is that it i don't know and i think that would still work thematically i, I and especially for kids, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for his character based on his situation because right. he has had everything taken from him. And he I, no, I, 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 I like I said, I totally get why the movie does it. And it yeah. makes sense yeah. for him to be a ball like of anger. bitter and angry and like yeah. that tracks for his situation. Like so I get like, yeah, I, I but I do see what you're saying. I think that actually would be really interesting if they could figure out a way to make it make sense that he is like sort of entitled and pompous and blah, blah, blah. Cause obviously he was a prince. So he is yeah. a prince. Like there, there's, yeah. there's some background there that you could, I guess the thing is that it's been this whole long time where he's been alone in this castle. I, it, it would feel hard for me as an audience member to still believe that he like, I don't know, has right. that sort of like, no, arrogance and that's, that's and, like, that's where I'm torn on it because I, I do 100% think that it makes sense for him to be angry. Yeah. I just also think that it ends up being like not a really good look when he's like banging on her door. Like I'll break down this door if you don't come out. Yeah. 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 No, I I, I think there were maybe some like different decisions that could have been made in regard to his characterization to avoid that i agree yeah i, I yeah i think it, it, it would have been interesting to see i don't be interested to see what they do in a 2017 version if they address that at all or, or change that that initial sort of interactions between them at all you know mm-hmm. in different ways to to either make it um a little less because i think there is something to be said for his character making sense 
it making sense that he's like this bitter, angry person having been cursed and trapped in a in this castle for years and years and years or whatever. Uh, and, and, and him just being angry about it. And then very quickly sort of getting over that and, and, and working through it. Mm -hmm. But I think there is at least an element of sort of a problematic thing there of that. There is inherent or there is a potential sort of problematic uh, uh theme or not theme but idea narrative that the story you could gain or that you could glean from the story that if you push through the angry temper tantrums of your potential love interest yeah that maybe one day they'll be nice like yeah. you can get like and that's part of like you said that is what fuels some of the like the stockholm syndrome type takes yeah and I do think that there is there is like something kind of problematic about if you read this very surface level and you and you don't pay super close attention. At, you know, if we, you just saw the movie once, you could kind of and you only took away bits and pieces of it and not yeah. like the whole thing. You could you could see I could I could forgive somebody for going like like don't love that this movie seemingly like, you know, again, without analyzing it too closely tells girls that like, don't worry if at the beginning he's like breaking things and screaming at you and threatening to break your door down, he'll probably come around. Like, again, right. that's not the full reading of the story, but I get. Right. Then that's where I feel torn. Cause like, I, I understand that reading, but I'm also like, ah, oh, but there's more nuance yeah. than that. But also as uh, this something we should put in a children's yeah, movie. Yeah. That is where it's complicated. Yeah. And I agree with that. Whereas it, it is potentially, and, and that's why I like your sort of rewrite of it as I like it, at least thematically your rewrite of him as sort of pompous and entitled maybe yeah. versus like, like <laughs> rage filled. Because I think there is maybe a less harmful uh, message, meaning, message yeah. there in terms of like maybe the 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 sort of um, arrogant exterior that that this person puts out or like the sort of, you know, the 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 image that they project to the world of sort of a pomposity and arrogance isn't actually who they are. Right. And maybe that is something that you can kind of work through and like get through and then there is something beyond that. Whereas with somebody who's like, again, threatening violence is that those are two different extremes yes. that feels maybe like not <laughs> yeah. ideal to, to kind of conflate. Yeah. This is a random thing, but something that has always bothered me in this movie is that Belle doesn't actually eat anything during be our guest. Oh yeah. She tastes a few things, but like this girl said she was hungry. Let her eat. And we know that she gets a lot of great meals in both Villeneuve's and Beaumont's version, so I'm calling that better. There you go. Fair enough. <laughs> There's also a cross-dressing joke in this movie, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I had this note, too. And, like, as far as cross-dressing jokes go... It's not the worst It could be a lot worse. Yeah. But it's still... Like, it, it, it's... 
maybe the only moment in this. That was my note is that it's literally like apart from what we just talked about with some of the like if you uh, surface level messaging of 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 pushing through the the violent abusive behavior to get to like the nicer version of that of your potential partner or whatever. That but I I would argue that in the nineties that was probably already something that people might have been like uh, about. Yeah. Whereas like. This nobody would bad enough. Dressing joke, yeah. like, but it, but it is like, yeah, it's something that has not aged. Particularly yeah, and again, it's well. not really even in. It, it is like on the minor end of of those kind of jokes, even right. like in, at least. And not, again, it's not my place to say how offensive it is because it's not not my not my community yeah. that is being you know uh, made a joke of or you know attacked in that situation. Um, but. Or in that in the this joke in the movie, but it is like one of the people attacking the the town ends up inside the armoire or whatever, mm-hmm. and then comes out and is in women's clothes and like goes ah and runs away. Yeah, and so it's not even like I don't know. There's it, there's definitely an element of like it's it could be worse, but it's not great. Yeah, it's still it's very clearly the joke is like ah look how weird like oh how horrifying it is to be. You know, for this guy to have been in women's clothes and now it, I don't know, because I because that being said, it's like I don't know what the, like the joke there is just that he's startled to be in women's clothes. It's not even necessarily that we're supposed to like think less of him because of it. Like, are we? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe yes. we, we already think very little of him. That's what I mean. Like <laughs> he's already. But but then it is like he is like a villain. Right. And then so like one of the way. Like, I don't know. It's it's a I weird. Mean, I mean, the joke is that he like if you break it down to like the essence of the joke is that he looks ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, so there is an inherent sort of like it. it yes, it, it, the, a man dressed as a woman a man is ridiculous, woman. and yes. and something you should be embarrassed about. Right, and that is essentially what it comes down to. So yes, it is not. It's not good, but it is. But it could have been it a could lot be worse. worse. Yeah, it could have been a it lot could worse. Have been so much worse. Yeah. Uh, this is not a unique opinion. A lot of people think this, but they should have let the beast keep his beast voice after he transformed back into a human. It's not a hot take. It's a take that a lot of people have. Does he even talk in the movie? Yeah, he after does. He, does? I do. he says, Bell, it's me. Oh, that's right. And yeah. the difference from the beast voice to the human voice is very jarring. Yeah. They should have let him keep the beast voice. That would have looked ridiculous coming out of that guy's mouth. No, they should have <laughs> let him keep it. Should have no. let him keep it. Disagree. Uh, my last note here. If you wanted him to keep the beast voice, just admit you wanted him to just stay the beast. Okay, fine. <laughs> That's fine. You can admit that. I'm just saying that <laughs> that guy makes no sense with the beast voice. <laughs> I don't know. I... But a lot of the appeal of the beast is his voice. I get that. I understand that. And I get why the vo- voice is like, you know, it, it, but and, and, and I think maybe it's just maybe it shouldn't have been. Maybe his voice should have been more s- close to the beast than it, voice than it than mm-hmm. it ends up being. But it shouldn't have been the same. He shrunk like a lot as a human, as a as a creature. His lungs <laughs> definitely shrunk. <laughs> His his vocal cords definitely shrunk. Is that He's what makes gonna... your voice deep, large vocal cords? It's part of it. I mean, that's why larger people, like tall, you know, big people have deeper voice. Not always, but like 
generally right, fair enough. That is that is a huge part of it. It's because it, yeah, when you're larger, you you have longer. You know, all of the body I parts are larger, and thus you scoured get, through IMDb trying to figure out if it was a different person, yeah, or if it was the same person like doing a voice for the prince, and I couldn't find anything. Couldn't figure the, it out. There's no credit for the prince. Interesting. It's probably the same person. Because, I mean, they're definitely doing some, like, digital manipulation and stuff to his voice in beast form. I think it's probably just the same. I think it's the same guy doing a voice and then having it manipulated slightly. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. Okay, so my last note for Better in the Book. I mentioned earlier that Beauty has sisters in both Villeneuve's and Beaumont's version. Um with sisters with varying levels of treachery. Uh, in Beaumont's version, her sisters convince her to stay past the amount of time that she agreed to because they think that if they send her back late, that the beast will be angry and gobble her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in this version, in Beaumont's version, at the end, Beauty's two very treacherous sisters... <laughs> end up getting transformed into statues and are cursed to behold her happiness for all time. Savage. Which is, yes, this is the exact kind of fairy tale brutality that makes me <laughs> love the genre so, so much. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's intense. They should have, yeah, they could have done it with the bimbets or whatever. The I feel like they should have done that with Gaston. Oh, yeah, Instead yeah. of him having him fall off the castle, he transforms yeah. into a statue and has to watch Belle be happy forever. Because, no, actually, yeah, that actually would have been a great change. Instead of killing him, yeah, you know, I think that would have been fun if instead of killing him, he, he gets there just barely too late or something. Like, he stabs mm-hmm. her, he stabs Beast, and then he falls down, like... You know, a le- like he doesn't die. Like he ro- like he stabs Beast. Same thing. He falls, he falls but he just like lands like onto th- another roof, onto another roof down a ways mm-hmm. or whatever. Like where he climbed up from, basically. And then he starts climbing back up again, and he gets there like onto the railing right as he's like he's the transformation. Like and the and the comfort the confession of love and everything happens. And then as the castle is transforming, it's turning all of the good people back from you know animated parts of the castle uh-huh. and stuff into their normal selves and it's kind of like a a, a a yin and a yang thing it takes guests on and he turns them back into the into a statue <laughs> or something like that um or or i think even more fun instead of turning him into a statue he becomes like an animated like an he animated beca- something or other yeah like the curse kind of like it like it, it, it like it's passed on to him and like he has to like <laughs> i don't know i think it could be fun all right it's now time to find out what katie thought was better in the movie my life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Okay, so first off, I y'all probably saw this coming, but I have a few complaints about Villeneuve's version mm-hmm. of this story. Um, so first off, it features a really odd plot element where the beast... But as the prince, like in human form, Mm -hmm. appears to beauty every night in her dreams and she doesn't connect the dots, which I felt like complicated her eventually like falling in love with and agreeing to marry the beast. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a weird way. It doesn't make any sense to like. 
I mean, it, it's weird. I guess if she doesn't connect the dots, the, the whole message yeah. still works. Like, if she doesn't figure out that this person she's seeing in her dreams is the prince. Well, no, she she doesn't. But I, I don't know. It, it rang very weird to me because the whole time she was like, well, my dream prince, I think he... Because he, he keeps asking her in these dreams to set him free. But he doesn't say that he is the beast. Right. So this whole time she's like, my dream prince, I think he might be captive somewhere here. And I'm in love with him. I need to find him. But then she ends up like agreeing to marry the beast. So I'm like, I don't. What am I, I guess that is weird and kind of complicated. I, I think I see what the what that that's going for. Like the, the her having this dream of this prince who's who's trapped and um no, I think it I think it could work. Obviously, I didn't read it, so I don't know. I feel like that could work maybe. I don't know. I I don't think cutting it is bad necessarily. Yeah, I don't think it would work in this movie. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about it more to see if I'd like that or not, but uh in Villeneuve's version in addition to the invisible genie servants in the enchanted castle, they also have trained monkeys as servants. That's interesting weird and i can't help and maybe this is me be having internalized racism but i can't help but feel like there's a weird racial thing going on there i mean there definitely could be uh for sure depending on i don't know what what this types of i mean yeah no it seems very likely again i don't when was this story written uh, 1800s yeah then yes there probably yeah. was <laughs> that's probably very much the case then um i don't know the whole history of the the racist sort of um comparisons of of people of color to different types of animals i don't know how that all tracks and to what countries and when but it seems yeah, very but likely it seems very likely i mean because it's I been a thing it, for a like, very long time that that's kind of a yeah. minor element in the story but it was something that was like very uncomfortable to read where i was like i don't i think there's something going on here that i'm not on board with. yeah no that seems very likely because there's definitely there's a, a lot of like um racist scientism and stuff at the time mm -hmm. that definitely saw and that's where the the, the more modern sort of racialized of of that whole thing comes from is there definitely was um a lot of like again um racist scientism happening that was and just science in general that was um that viewed you know um black people people of african descent as actually like primates and yeah. well, i mean we're all primates but like you know what i mean as like, animals as animals yeah. and that sort of thing yeah. and, and directly specifically as um chimp uh apes that sort of thing like yeah yeah. Uh, Villeneuve's version also includes this kind of odd section where when a beauty visits her family and her sister's suitors all like fall in love with her. Then that doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> it's just like this weird aside for like no reason halfway yeah. through the story. Uh, my main beef with Villeneuve's version, though, was that it just goes on and on and on and on there's like an additional 
30 to 40 pages after the beast turns back into a prince. Oh, wow. Which is where the story should end. And I feel very comfortable making that call. <laughs> That's where the story should end. But yeah. like her version goes just like on and on and on. And then it turns out that that Beauty was never the merchant's daughter at all, but she was actually like a missing princess from an island. It's quite the unnecessary turn of events. Yeah, that's wild. It seems like something Disney would have pulled for a sequel. Well, that's not what what happens in Tangled. I was about to say, wait, in Tangled? She's a missing princess from an island kingdom. Entangled. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I meant a, a sequel to Beauty and the Beast. Like one of oh, the like yeah, direct yeah, to yeah. movie sequels. Like it wouldn't have surprised me if they like did like, a weird did twist. Like, oh, turns out Belle's actually uh, Maurice's adopted father. Like, yeah. uh, you know, adopted uh, her and she's actually from this kingdom. You know, that I, I wouldn't have surprised me if they one of the because <laughs> they made like directed like there's, video there's sequels. Beauty and right? the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, oh. which. Is is terrible, but I have a lot of fondness for <laughs> okay. in my heart because we had the it was a direct to VHS yeah. that we had. Uh, but the, thus ends my my beef with Villeneuve's mm-hmm. version of this story. I Beaumont's was spare, but I preferred it. On to the actual movie. I love the prologue of this film. Um, I love the stained glass. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's also a great nod to the classic Disney fairy tales that started with an opening book, Mm -hmm. but it still feels like it feels connected to that, but it still feels like fresh and original and very in line with the story that we get. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it's not even just the open. We bookend it. Like we we start and end on the, on the stained glass. I love the music in this movie. Bold claim. I I know it's not a hot (laughs) take, but I love the music. The opening number of this film is so perfect. It tells us everything we need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Disney wanted Broadway. We talked about that in our prequel. They wanted a Broadway musical. That is absolutely what they got Mm -hmm. with this film. A fun Katie fact. I can sing this entire score from memory. All of it. Every single song, even the mob song. Okay. Uh, new patron uh, reward level. If you get us to several thousand dollars a month, <laughs> we will record a fully orchestrated I, version of this. Fully orchestrated. Well, I say fully orchestrated. Yeah. I guess I mean we'll we'll get the karaoke we'll versions. We'll get the karaoke versions. Sing the whole thing. I'll sing. I do all the parts in the opening number. There you go. All right, that's it. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. <laughs> if we can get up to, let's say, $2,000 a month, that's a good number that'll never happen. So, <laughs> I love Gaston. Gaston is a great villain. Uh, there's a million and one reasons that he doesn't need backstory, but we'll save that rant for the bonus 2017 remake episode. The short version of it is that Gaston is a character, a caricature of someone we all know. He's the arrogant, entitled bully. Everybody loves him. They fall in line behind him, even though his actual actions are repugnant. Uh, But this story begs for a direct villain. Mm -hmm. And making him a kind of foil to the beast works better, I think, than trying to somehow work in Belle's sisters yeah, as the villains. I agree. And and with that, too, I feel like we're retreading kind of familiar Disney territory, like we're going back to, like, Cinderella and the Wicked Stepsisters. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it definitely yeah, would have been... I think Gaston is an improvement on the story. Yeah. 
I love the way the movie maintains the rough outline of this story while making changes to like the characters and their motivations and just like tweaks here and there. But like the skeleton is kind of the same. It actually, and, that and was I really of, love that. That was one of the things that stuck out to me in the, was that in the book segment is that much more of it was actually from the book than I expected. Like yeah. very often with these fairy tale stories, the answer is like, no to everything I yes. ask, like almost that, you know, and, 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 and so it was a little bit of a surprise and interesting to see that it, a lot of sort of the beats of the story were mm -hmm. in fact from the fairy tale and not just made up by Disney. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and now just a bunch of random moments from this movie that I love that are all reasons that I love this movie. Some Cogsworth lines who said anything about the castle being enchanted as a <laughs> fork runs by. Yeah. If it's not Baroque, don't fix it. Classic. Ooh, get out. Don't like <laughs> <laughs> flowers, puns, puns are bad. Get out flowers, of here. chocolates, promises you don't intend. To yeah, keep. I have that line. That's Great a Great line. I think I heard. I had that. I had that in my odds and ends. I think I remember reading in the um, as I was looking for stuff for the the prequel episode. I'm fairly certain that was an act either improv or mm -hmm. was the like um, the actor came up with that line. Like it wasn't in the script. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I love the scene where the beast doesn't know how to use a spoon. We mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Uh, it makes no gosh darn sense. Yeah. But I love it. It's not that he doesn't know how to. He's just forgotten, Katie. He forgot. Yeah. He forgot how to use a spoon. You know that thing that's really easy to forget how to do? <laughs> use a spoon. A couple moments in uh, Something There, which is the song where they're basically where they're falling in love, uh, which I think might be my favorite song in this movie. I love that song. I mean, yeah, they're all good, so. Yeah. Um, I love the look on her face when she's behind the tree that I might be into a, I might be into furries <laughs> yeah. look on her face. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a minute. I don't know about this. This is okay. Uh, and then when she turns back and he's just covered in birds. Yeah. Yeah. It is adorable. Uh, when Beast is getting ready to uh, go have their, their dance in the ballroom and they're like dressing him up and Lumiere is like, oh, you look so, so stupid. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I also think that's a fun reference to like the ostentatious French court fashion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like it's a fun little nod to the time period, yeah. quote unquote. How ridiculous everybody yeah. looked. Yeah. Uh, I love Belle throwing it back to Gaston at the end. He's no monster, Gaston. You are. Boom. Got him. Got him. And then one of my, like, very top things, like, random little things that I love in this movie is Gaston's face when he's fighting the beast. And initially the yeah. beast has not been fighting back. And then that moment when he stands up and yeah. starts fighting him and Gaston's face is like... You're a giant monster. I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I could beat up a giant monster. <laughs> that was dumb. That was dumb of me. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's get now to a very brief The Movie Nailed It section. 
as I expected, practically perfect in every way. I had more things under this, but you had so many of them in was that oh, in the was book that, in the book? that I yeah, just yeah. took them out of this section. But one thing that we had not talked about uh, was that Vilnev's story does have beauty wandering about the castle, and she does at one point stumble across a portrait of Beast as a human. And obviously not realize that that's what yes, she's looking at. Yes, and not at. realize yeah. that that's what she's looking at. Yeah. Which, I mean, in the movie, she goes in the West Wing and she sees, like, the ripped up portrait. And you can see you can see it, like, almost click. Like, probably if she had stared at it for a little bit longer, yeah. that would have clicked into place. Yeah. Uh, but it, that is something that is potentially drawn from the source. Yeah. All right, it's time for some odds and ends before we get to the final verdict. We did mention in our prequel that uh, this movie reuses some animation. Yeah. We talked specifically about the, the dance at the end being reused animation from Sleeping Beauty and which part of that was because they were on a very tight schedule mm -hmm. with this movie. They made it in basically half the time that they yeah, usually two years to. as opposed to four. Yeah, because to an they animated had a, feature. spent a lot of time working on previous iterations mm -hmm. of the film that didn't go anywhere. Um, and then this is not like this is not something that people don't know. This comes up in like oh yes. Disney fun fact yeah. lists all the time. Um, but I did want to mention it because we didn't bring it up in the prequel, which is that there is reused animation of Bambi's mom at mm. the very beginning of this, mm -hmm. the uh, the deer outside of the castle. Yeah. Yep. Bambi's mom. I always forget that the opening title card. It's not the opening. I mean, it's you know the title card mm -hmm. of this movie that ha uh, that says Beauty and the Beast is 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 ribbon and stone yeah because the, the the it's such a unique title card and in my head the title is always i only ever see the version that's on posters and on the yeah where it's and the movie like covers script. where it's like gold script often with like a blue background because mm -hmm. blue and gold is such a you know is what people the colors people think of with this movie because mm -hmm. bell in the gold dress and the beast wears blue a lot and like that's just what we think of a lot more often than but and so seeing it again this time I was like oh that's right it's got that it's yeah beauty is in like red ribbon yeah. and then the beast is in like stone yeah it's a very interesting like kind of unique title card yeah and it's just one of those things that's funny because like in my head never thinks of it like I never yeah. identify that like I feel like you don't ever see a, a movie poster or any sort of art associated with Beauty and the Beast that is that. Yeah, the, no, the nothing red and ever gray, like, it, Yeah, know. it's but it's it's like, oh, that's that's literally the opening title. Okay. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. So beautiful enchantress that rolls around cursing crappy men mm -hmm. dream job. It's a pretty good job. I'm gonna be honest, like if anybody's hiring for that <laughs> specifically I would like that job. I think that's something you got to be born into or maybe an apprenticeship type of thing. You got to. Well, that sounds classist. <laughs> I want that job. Uh, there's so there's a, a, something there. You mentioned that it was like your favorite song. Mm -hmm. But at the end of that, there's this moment where Chip asks. He, they're like watching um, Belle and Beast in the. Wherever they are or whatever. And. <laughs> And Chip is asking, "What's there?" And they're like, "There may be something there." And then he's like, "What? What is it?" And uh, and they're like, and and uh, 
Miss Potts turns to him and goes, I'll tell you when you're older. And I'm like, just tell them that they like each other now. Like, that's what's there is that they like each other. Like, that you don't have to go into detail about what, I don't know. I mean, I get the moment. It's just, I felt like that was poor parenting. <laughs> like, it's, it's odd. Just be like, they've grown fond of each other. Like, I, you know, I like, do remember, like, being a kid and being puzzled by that, like, specific exchange. Yeah. Because to me, it was very clear that the thing was that they liked each other. Yeah. So I didn't understand why she wouldn't just say that. So yeah. I was like, okay, is there something I'm missing? Yeah. And, and it's absolutely like a little wink, wink, nod moment for the parents watching right. the movie. Yeah. But it is, it still feels silly. I don't know. Just <laughs> like, just tell them. Just say it's, like, yeah, it's weird. I also just want to point out that the curse that this film opens with is actually gender inclusive. Is it? Yes. The words are, if he could learn to love another and earn their love in return. Wow. By the time the last petal fell. I really missed out on... We missed some opportunities there. <laughs> on the beast ending up with Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out, you know, there's there's a lot of room for interpretation. That's fair. No, absolutely. So there's uh, the the ballroom scene. There's this moment in the ballroom scene where they're go right as they're beginning to dance, uh, mm -hmm. along with forgetting how to eat. The prince forgot how to dance. I, I guess you know he remembers how to speak and yeah, <laughs> you know all kinds of things, but he's forgotten. It's been so long, I guess, that he's forgotten very simple things. Um, but Belle is kind of guiding him. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment where she puts his hand on her back and his entire hand, his hand fits around her entire torso. Yes. Just envelops her and, torso. And I was like, boy, uh, I feel like that really awakened some things in some young people watching this movie when his entire hand just surrounds her entire body. I was like, yep, that's a thing for people. It's, <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> yep. I was like, yep. That, yep. Uh, I thought it was funny. This movie's beautiful. Mm hmm. I love the backdrops in this movie. Yeah, like, you do get some really gorgeous They're vistas. really gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I think traditional, like non 3D computer animation is far overdue for a renaissance i think it's gonna come back like disney's gonna start making 2d 2d animated features again because like, i know it's expensive but they haven't put out a 2d animated feature since 2011 yeah so that's been 10 years so i feel like we're very ripe for a renaissance on that yeah and you can fake it i feel like they could fake it so well you, there's no way that it would because it wouldn't be nearly as labor intensive to make a movie that looks like this movie or you know pick mm -hmm. any of the sort of 2d golden age renaissance disney films but do it did like completely digitally you know all through uh computer animation but just not you know just have it be 2d anim like I feel yeah, like you could mimic it in a way that is way less labor intensive than obviously what they used to have to do, but would look like one of these movies. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if we did get something yeah. like that. Because, I mean, they'll never I mean, go back I, to making the movies the way not they that, Not that the 3D 
digital stuff isn't also yeah. stunning in its own way. But I think there is something about, especially something that is as well-crafted as this movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just talked about the ballroom dance. After the ballroom dance, when they go out on the balcony and they're sitting there, Belle, the way she is sitting in that scene, <laughs> it's, it's something that kids would never notice, but she is she is sitting in a manner. She is so clearly thirsty for the beast in that moment. It is <laughs> like watching it as an adult. It is like, I don't know. It's very like striking how obvious... <laughs> Her, <laughs> they just had a very romantic time, right? Okay, I understand it. I just if you watch that scene, also his, his her body language, her right? Torso. I understand, and her body language in that moment makes it very clear how she's feeling, <laughs> and it is it is <laughs> wild to me as an adult. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna skip slightly ahead in my notes, and then I'll go back later because I also have a note about the scene right after the ballroom scene Mm -hmm. because this is the scene that utterly destroys the Stockholm syndrome take when he lets her go. Yeah. And if she had Stockholm syndrome, if Belle had Stockholm syndrome, she would not have left. Yeah. But she does. She leaves without a second thought. Yeah. And and in it is also this moment where we understand like how deeply the beast has changed. Mm-hmm. Like he lets her go, even though it certainly means he's going to be cursed forever. Yeah. But yeah, if she had Stockholm syndrome, she wouldn't have just no, left. no. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. I love. I absolutely love that Gaston's horse has red and yellow eyes. <laughs> Because it's like the most evil horse that you could ever evil. Nobody realized that Gaston was evil when he had a red-eyed black horse. He's riding around on a freaking... uh, (laughs) He's riding on like the... uh, Yeah, that's what I was... uh, Shoot. The Headless Horseman horse. Fair enough. Yeah, I was going to say he's riding around uh, he's, he's on the horse that the the Nazgul ride around on in Lord of the Rings. That is a Nazgul horse. Yeah, you're right. Fell beasts. No, those are the ones that fly. Whatever. The fight at the end where the the household objects, the castle hold objects, are all fighting the townspeople. I just want to know where the suits of armor were during this fight. Would have been too easy. Because we we, we saw the sentient suits of armor earlier. The movie teased them. There was no payoff. No, we don't see. That's the suits not of fun armor. and wacky. If the suits of I, armor come out and just murder everybody, and just like see, slice all their heads I off. I also feel like the sentient knives should have been way yeah, more involved again, in that fight. We wanted fun, wacky, like Home Alone hijinks. Not, <laughs> not all of these not, villagers not being like murder. Yes, just slaughtered <laughs> in a bloodbath. That was not the vibe they were going for in this scene. So we had to I'm have just saying. we had to have teapots and armoires beating up people and not. Not suits of armor with swords and axes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love in that big fight when we get up to the roof, uh, there's a moment where Gaston now is, is it's raining yeah. and the wind is blowing and his ponytail has come out and he's looking very feral. And I was like, boy, wild and 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 wet Gaston could get it. Like he's looking very. It, it is the most attractive yes. he ever is in the film. <laughs> yeah. 
I will say. <laughs> He's not my type by no. a long shot. No. But yeah, that feral guest. That moment is... where it's like the, it's raining and the wind's blowing and his hair's down and everywhere. It's like, all right, I get it. Okay. <laughs> I get it. I see what the silly girls were on about. <laughs> yep. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to note. I want to know, and I'm, I'm going to need a horse person to tell me this, if we have any horse people, listeners, if Philippe could have actually taken Belle back to where Maurice got lost. Oh, could, he's could, not, he, could like, he do he's the not, lassie thing? He's not lassie. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know if that's a thing that a horse could potentially do. Seems unlikely, but I don't know. I feel know. like it seems unlikely, but I don't know. I don't personally know any horses. Yeah. I was never a horse girl. I don't know a lot about horses. Me so if anyone knows if a horse could do that, please let us know. Also, when I was a child, I had like a bouncy horse. Yeah, like one of the... Yeah. Like with the springs that you Yes, with yeah. the springs. Like the like the non motorized version of the thing at every uh grocery yes. store back in the nineties yes. that you put a quarter in and it would bounce. Yeah. And hundred percent named it Philippe. <laughs> I have a picture of me on Philippe and I will be sharing Does it that look like Philippe? On our, not really. Oh. Uh, but it was one of my favorite movies at the time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was like, horse. Perfect. Obviously the Makes horse sense. is named Philippe. It's gotta be. Clearly. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I will be sharing that. Uh, sadly, it is not a bouncy Clydesdale. Yeah. But I did name him Philippe. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I just want to talk briefly about is how Beauty and the Beast, this Disney version of it, this is at its core a story about people who have been rejected by society and find solace in each other mm-hmm. and how much Howard Ashman's fingerprints are all over this story. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that is one of the things I talked about in the prequel is how, how um, pivotal he was, even though he, d- I think he might have like he, a story credit or something, but he was not, I mean, he was cred- a producer. Yeah. He was a producer. Well, but producers generally, but aren't, I, I yeah. think he, he, I think he passed like, I think he saw a version of it, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, he, he before it officially released, he had yeah. passed away. But yeah, but we talked like one of the like no his and I we talked about like I said in the prequel how much how how much more he was involved than just like writing the music. Yes. Um, in, in fact, he was like because right, right, like yeah, that's the main thing he's remembered for is the music. Right, but he was very much involved, similar to the Little Mermaid. We, I, I mentioned in the prequel, he they they would they they would fly the storyboard artists out yeah. to New York where he was um, living, like in hospice essentially at the time, um, and and he would like sign off, and they would like all of the and all of the storyboards and everything had to go out and get approved by him and everything. So he was yeah, he was absolutely like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Ended up kind of being the main creative force behind much of what the movie became. Yes. And also, much like The Little Mermaid, incredibly easy to read this film through a queer theory lens. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is some inherent problematic nature of how the beast became the beast, if you look at it too close, because he was a jerk. And then that's why he's now an outcast. But yeah, if you don't look at it too close, if it's like yeah. broader strokes, I think it does. It does track. But no, absolutely. Absolutely.
All right, before we get to the final verdict, we wanted to remind you, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us there for two, five, 15 bucks a month. Get access to different things at each level, including at the $15 level, priority access or priority recommendation status where we will move your recommendations and requests for things for us to talk about on the main show up towards the front of the queue. We already have a lot of patron yeah, requests. Yeah, we have quite a, a backlog We're at booked the out pretty far, but... You'll go to the front of the, <laughs> of the you know, you'll go to the end of the front of the list or whatever <laughs> if you sign up uh, and, and recommend something. Um, and then at the $5 level, you get access to our bonus content, which Katie just mentioned a few minutes ago for August is going to be a discussion on the 2017 Beauty and the Beast. So if you want to hear everything that Katie has to say about that. It'll be a lot. And then hear me be like, it was pretty good. <laughs> Maybe you won't think it's good. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you'll hate it. Maybe I will hate it. Who knows? You never know. Um, but yeah, if you support us for five bucks a month, uh, you you get access to all of our bonus content, and which uh, a lot of it is that kind of stuff. Uh, bonus. We have a whole episode where we talked about the 2019 version of Little Women when we did the 1990 whatever version of it uh, on the main show. Uh, we spent two hours talking about the 2019 Little Women on the bonus content. And so all of those kind of things you can get over on the Patreon. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, all of those social media sites. Uh, just search for This Film Is Lit. You'll find us. You get ac- And there you can find all kinds of cool different things. Obviously, all the, like, the episode posts and stuff like that. Um, but then Katie, like she said, she's going to post a picture of her with Philippe, mm-hmm. her, her oh. springy, bouncy horse from a childhood. <laughs> and also the uh, illustration of... Uh Villanoves, the beast from beast, yeah. where he's an elephant man yep. posting that as so well. So lots of fun accompanying media to go with the main episode stuff on the social media. All right, Katie, it's time for your birthday episode final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first, verdict afterwards. So... I don't think it should come as a surprise to anyone that I'm going to pick the movie. (laughs) To me, this is not only one of my all-time favorites. It's what I would consider a near-perfect film. From the animation to the score and the songs to the storytelling that takes an outdated tale and retrofits it for a new audience while still maintaining its familiarity. I love everything about this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I will never tell you not to read a fairy tale (laughs) because fairy tales are always worth your time. If you don't have a lot of time, I'd suggest going with the Beaumont version. Villeneuve's version is interesting, uh, but it is lengthy and oversaturated with details and unnecessary plot elements. I totally understand why Beaumont looked at it and said, "Okay, yeah, we're taking scissors to this. When we talked about the history of La Belle à la Bête in our prequel episode, and so we know why that story was meaningful to people in that place and in that time. And what makes each new version of a fairy tale great is that meaning. It speaks to the people of the time and place in which it's told in a way that is utterly unique and meaningful to them. I believe that Disney's Beauty and the Beast, and let's be real, largely due to Howard Ashman's influence, accomplishes this with aplomb. And for that reason, I'm giving this one to the movie. Fantastic. Katie, what's up next? 
people know. But <laughs> up next, we are starting to close out our 2021 summer series. We will be talking about the Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part One. Part One. Uh, we did a little bit of research. If you're reading along with us, uh, if it's, especially if it's your first time reading the books or watching the movies and mm. you don't know, it appears that the roughly chapter uh, stopping at the beginning of chapter 14 is about the right place. Uh, somewhere in the 180 to 190 page. It, obviously, the movie tweaks some things around, but right. roughly the first movie ends around page 182. And if you go to like the end of that chapter which is like a few pages later, that seems to be probably a pretty good stopping place that doesn't spoil anything major in the next version. So if you yeah. want to do it that way and just read half, cause that's what we'll be doing um, mainly. So we don't read the whole thing and then, <laughs> and then have to go, you know, like try to remember details yeah. from the second half of the book, an extra week removed when we watch the second movie. Yeah. Um, so we'll be stopping after uh, at chapter 14 in order to review the first uh, mocking Jay film which will be in two weeks' time. In one week's time, we're coming back for another prequel episode. Uh, I don't know what we'll be talking about yet, but one of the things we'll be talking about, which will be a lot of fun, is your reaction and your thoughts and your feedback on Beauty and the Beast, uh, what you thought about it, what you thought we said about it, all that good stuff. You can give us those comments on our feedback posts, which you can find, like I mentioned earlier, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Head over to those places. Leave us your feedback. Also on Patreon, you can do it if you are a patron. Um, you can comment there. Mm -hmm. uh, all those places work. Uh, leave us that feedback and we'll read it and discuss it on the next prequel episode in one week's time. And until that time, guys, gals, non-binary pals, everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.